defense. Yeah, let's go. Come on, Duke. Yeah. Let's go, Duke. Come on. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Thursday, January 30th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and boy, Wisconsin had a hell of a Wednesday. First, Kobe King, the Badgers' second leading scorer, just straight up quit the team on January 29th, so that's weird. Then a few hours later, Brad Davison got suspended because on Monday night, in the final minute of a close game while fighting through a screen, he decided to hit Connor McCaffrey right in the nuts. So he's going to miss Saturday's game with Michigan State. Obviously, Wisconsin isn't great, but the Badgers do still have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. They're 32nd in the net, 33rd at Kempom. They have five quadrant one wins, so they're still in the NCAA tournament picture. And now Kobe King just up and quit, and Davison got himself suspended for being stupid in the final 30 seconds a three-point game. He literally cost Wisconsin at least a chance to win that game, and now he's lowered Wisconsin's odds of winning this weekend because he won't be available. Norlander, make sense of what's happening in Madison, Wisconsin right now. Uh, It's going with the theme of Wisconsin's season here in that they've been one of the hardest teams to peg the entire season. From a close opening loss on uh, loss on opening night to St. Mary's, which either neither you or I saw because we were at Madison Square Garden uh, recording a podcast about two hours later than what we're doing right now. Um, but they dropped that. They beat Marquette. Then they lose some more. They've they've had up and down wins. They've been relatively decent in the predictive metrics, but uh, at twelve and nine with a five and five Big Ten record. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't even know where they sit if they're in bracket project projections right now. They've beaten Maryland, they've beaten Penn State, they've beaten at Ohio State. That value has gone down, um, so that's a bit uh, a bit bizarre. And then you have what's happened here over the past 24 hours or so, because it all starts with with Davison and the, the you know he got the technical and the incident there uh, that that helped you know in part cost him the game against Iowa. Wisconsin should have won the game. I mean it, they were on the road, uh, they had the lead. They their probability of winning uh, was you know at about ninety percent with six minutes to go, and then it just goes off a cliff there, and they they lose a big time opportunity uh, for Davison. Um, you know, he's had a he's had a number of incidents now here. Uh, in fact, weirdly enough, I want to say two weeks ago, I had someone uh, tweet at me for the court report uh, for the for the reader mailbag and say, "Is is Brad Davison still like the villain in college basketball?" And at that point, I I, I think I wrote something like. I don't think so. Um, you know, he's a villain in the Big Ten, but nationally, like, I don't even think college basketball has that kind of guy this season, so to speak. But frankly, incidents like this, oh, and nobody knows. Who, right. Yeah. Nobody knows who Brad Davidson is. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I. <laughs> for the. <laughs> you're right. Now we talk about on a national podcast. He gets suspended because he's hit a guy in the nuts. You know, that's going to. It's, it's certainly going to up his profile, GP. Um, but you, you can't. You can't have that. And then on top of that, just. Kobe King, uh, you know, is he lighting up the world? I, no, averaging 10 points, 2.8 boards, 1.6 assists, shooting relatively decently from the field. Um, he's second in points, third in team minutes on average, and second in shots per game. So he was getting his. Um, 
there's been debate since this happened because shouts to Andy Katz on Big Ten Network on Wednesday night. I'm guessing you did not see Katz's comments. If you were in the studio for CBS Sports Network, uh, but he did post them to Twitter. But you didn't see what he said, right? I actually did. I saw it on Twitter, and he was pretty fired up. Andy fired up? He was fired up, and uh, I don't have intel to this, but my here is my suspicion. This is a suspicion, okay? I don't have this as a fact. But uh, Andy went to Wisconsin. Uh, for him to be that definitive, you see what Greg Gard said in his statement. Um, you know, just – in so many words, Guard was saying, we really, you know, would have preferred Kobe to stick around here, but we wish him all the best, et cetera, et cetera. I think from the coaching staff's perspective, um, they view him as quitting on the team. We, You and I cannot speak to everything involved here, but when you are a, a major factor on a team like this trying to get to the NCAA tournament, and sure, there are probably some issues, and maybe it's easier to cut bait and run, um, it's a bit rough. I Listen, you and I are both for player empowerment, but there has to also be – like, okay, if he's going through something and he really needs to transfer or quit the team, then that's fine. But we need we don't have those details, so we're, we are left here to speculate. Um, and for his teammates, it's not totally like the James Wiseman thing, but it's kind of like the James Wiseman thing, only that Kobe King is not going to be drafted <laughs> in June. That's not going to happen. Um, but it is a rough look. I, I have one more thing with this, but I'm going to wait until after you respond. Just – your thoughts on this and how, as commentators, we should go about assessing these kinds of things when, obviously, more players are transferring at a higher rate GP than they used to, and um, I think we're more sympathetic to that. But, you know, again, like, it's the end of January, and you're bailing on the team. So if we get more information that, that we can understand, I, I get that. But this is actually uh, a little bit rough for me to interpret on its surface with what we know as we record right now. Just to circle back, you mentioned you didn't know, you know, if Wisconsin was in the brackets or not. I, I went and looked at Jerry Palm's latest bracket. Now it posted Monday morning before the loss to Iowa, but he had Minnes- uh, he had Wisconsin as a nine seed on Monday morning. I actually had them ranked as recently in the top twenty-five and one last Friday. And by the way, in the spirit of transparency, because I spend every money uh, every Monday busting up AP voters who are just reckless or or, or not careful enough. An AP voter could have got me Saturday morning. They just missed the opportunity. Oh. Okay, so Friday night, it was my it was my birthday, okay? So uh, we went out. Wait, what? Wife, last Friday was my birthday. Oh, it was? Yeah, last Friday was my birthday. What? No. Yeah. I sw- like why would I lie about that? Well, then what the heck, man? Like I'm not asking you to like broadcast it, but I don't know how I missed that and we didn't even address it on the pod. Well, we, we we didn't need to. Like, I, I, everybody has a birthday. There's nothing special about anybody. I, 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 everybody, I, has <laughs> everybody literally, literally, everybody has a birthday. I just, like, I, well, yeah, I, I will. Yes, that 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 is true. But like I also if I, if found I a, if if I had a third arm, like we might talk about that because that would be that'd be pretty unique to me. But my like my birthday arm. is yeah. is not is not unique. Everybody has a birthday, so I never make a big deal out of it. But we did plan a nice dinner. On Friday night, and so it was um, me and my wife and eight other people, four other couples, and we went to dinner, and then we went out and had drinks, and it got way later than it should have gotten, and I had to wake up the next morning because I was sidelined on Memphis SMU on Saturday, and I had to be at the Memphis shoot-around at 9 a.m. inside FedEx Orem. So my wife and I stayed at the Westin across the street, and I slept – 
usually I wake up throughout the night. I like woke up legit when the alarm went off, never even op- opened my eyes for a second before that. So I was rushing through the top 25 and one. I had Wisconsin in there on Friday morning at number 26. And then they got pounded by whoever they got pounded by. I guess it was at Purdue. But because neither school was in the AP poll, it didn't pop up like on your default mm. scoreboards. And so when I updated the top 25 and one on Saturday morning, I still had Wisconsin in there. And I had a reader, AP voter didn't see it, but a reader tweeted me and said, how can you still have Wisconsin in there after they got blown out last night at Purdue? And I was like, oh, God. So I took I had to I had to sit for the first time, I think, ever. I had to send an update to the desk and say, hey, I forgot to all to to reflect last night's development. Um, please take out Wisconsin. And I think wow. I put in Indiana. And how stupid does that look now, by the way? So I put in Indiana and uh, I got it all straight. But if if an AP voter could have caught me in real time. I would have been a, a victim of a reverse pole attack. All right. First of all, you turn 49 and you start slipping. That's an issue. Okay. <laughs> Two. I'm, I'm 40. I'm 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years sure old. you are. Sure you are. So, two, I just found out, like, it, it was Kyle Boone. Not Kyle Porter. Kyle Boone. It was just his birthday, by the way. I just found that out. Shouts to Kyle Boone. Happy birthday, buddy. Uh, but I didn't re- I didn't realize, I haven't put two, to, two together, that you guys are actually that close uh, in birthdays. It's like my wife and the new Kyle Boone. You're all like, you know, you're all like ten days apart here. And you'll, you'll, you'll remember next year. Will I? I hope so. Remember that time we talked about? Um, I got one more thing coming on this, but real quick. Remember how we talked about um, Josh Pastner and Ron Bell and like the they like you know they were friendly <laughs> and stuff, but the whole thing blew up because Ron Bell was pissed at Josh Pastner because he didn't call him on his birthday, <laughs> and he was like turning like forty-five. I am more likely to be pissed at you for calling me on my birthday than I am for you not calling me because like birthdays are stressful now. And and I don't want to get too far off the subject. We will get back to Kobe King in a moment, but birthdays are super stressful. And the reason is because your birthday is posted on Facebook. If you allow people to see it and then it alerts people. And then everybody jumps on Facebook and says, happy birthday. Like, like like, like 400 people. Terrible. Yeah. That, 400 people. That's, like, not, that's, that's not an acceptable. That should be a Curb Your Enthusiasm, like, uh, C plot line in a show. A, a, a Facebook happy birthday does not, it is not good enough if you're trying to extend a thing. Anyway, that's a Okay. That's a so, so then, but here's what happens then. Some people say, well, I just don't want to be one of 5,000 people right. wishing GP happy birthday on Facebook. I'm going to text message him. So, <laughs> I'm, so then you so, got to reply. And now you got to reply all day long. I mean, I probably replied to I don't even know how many. Wasn't and me. it's it's sweet. I want to make that clear. It is sweet, and you hear from some people you don't often hear from, so it's kind. I enjoy it, but it's like, yo, I'm trying to work. I can't. I don't have time to appreciate your happy birthday gesture all day long. So Friday, so Friday was stressful because I was returning text messages nonstop, and then Saturday was a mess because Friday night went late, and I messed up the top 25 and one, uh, but I fixed it. But the larger point was uh, Wisconsin was ranked in the top 25 and one as recently as last week, and as recently as Monday morning, Jerry Palm had them as a nine seat. So Kobe King quit what would be at this moment an NCAA tournament team. And I want to make it clear. Um, sure, there are details we might not understand, but he had an entire Instagram post, and he used a lot of words, 
And he didn't say he didn't explain his decision in any other way than to say, I have realized that Wisconsin is not the right fit for me, that this isn't the right place for me. Yeah. And I, 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 I can't. I, first off, like. You're from Wisconsin and went Wisconsin. What did you expect? It ain't like Wisconsin's changed much since you've been enrolled there. Like, what did I, if you, this isn't the situation you wanted to get into, like, how did you get into this situation? But whatever. I recognize that it is his right to do whatever he wants to do. But when you do what he did, then you get labeled accordingly. If I'm going to call James Wiseman somebody who quit his team, then Kobe King is somebody who quit his team. And you mentioned transfers and, and, and for student athletes rights. And we both think transfers shouldn't have to sit down at all. And that's exactly right. This ain't that it's one thing to transfer at the, after a season, you go from one team to another and you actually, you know, you, and it's another thing to even transfer mid semester because you, you, you don't lose an entire year. Transferring on January 29th benefits you in no way. You're not gaining anything from it. So if you leave before a second semester starts, you can actually look at your coach and your teammates and say, hey, I've decided this isn't the right fit for me. And if I go now, I'll be able to play next December as opposed to sit out all of next season. And everybody can understand that. It's a pretty normal thing. That's not what Kobe King did. He waited till January 29th. He quit his team um, in a way that is, if it's what he wanted to do, then then it's, it's what he should have done. But... I can understand why Greg released that really passive-aggressive statement Mm -hmm. and why I'm sure his teammates are are frustrated and and disappointed because it's not like he was buried on the bench. He was uh, third in minutes, second in shots per game. Relative to other Wisconsin players, he was getting his, and he still, January 29th, quits a, I don't know about likely, but but certainly possible NCAA tournament team. Yeah, a competitive NCAA tournament team. Uh, no doubt about it. All right, so a couple more things with this. Uh, he was he did not play uh, in Wisconsin's previous game, the Iowa loss, because it was th- the reason noted was it was a personal reason. So there was a precursor to this, and in his Instagram post, it's long. I'm not going to read read the whole thing. Um, thanks the coaches and all that, but uh, but he says, you know, after talking with my family and friends, I've decided that the best step for my future basketball aspirations, as well as for my love for the game, is to immediately step away from the University of Wisconsin men's basketball program. It's a very, been a very tough decision for me. However, after spending almost three years in the Wisconsin program, I have realized that this program is not the right for, fit for me as a player and person. I mean, wow. Um, now, what was interesting that uh, and by, how so, does it take you three years to figure that out? I don't like, know, but there's also like there's there are other things here that uh, are that he is going to receive that are going to be unfair. First of all, you've got a kid named Kobe quitting a team days removed from the most famous Kobe there will ever be dying in such a tragic way. And so you have the you have people being like, you don't even deserve that name. Change your name right now. Like that can actually mentally affect a person here. So uh, I would hope that no one that actually listens to this podcast is smart enough to do so has and happens to be a Wisconsin fan has thrown anything like that his way. But that is inevitably going to enter into his mental space the fact that his name is Kobe, Kobe Bryant just died. You're not sure, you're not you're not being uh, the kind of team player given it all the way that Kobe Bryant would have. Uh, I would try just push that aside as best you can if you're him, but I think it's unavoidable. Also, you've got this deal here where you've got the Wisconsin program which is also been enveloped in tragedy for the past 
eight months here because Howard Moore, the assistant, lost his wife and one of his children in a car crash in the preseason. And Howard's not even able to coach this season. He's taking it away. So the, the program itself has been steeped in a lot of really uh, deep emotional stuff. And that also, him stepping away from this, I think, can be tossed back in his face. And how fair is that? I can't tell you, but it doesn't seem that fair all that, uh, all that much. One more thing for you, GP, and then I'll, I'll volley it back here. Um, Zach Showalter, who played at Wisconsin, had a back and forth on Wednesday night with Tyler Hero from Wisconsin, was going to play at Wisconsin, then went to Kentucky. I'll read the back and forth here. It's like seven tweets worth real quick. Thought it was relatively interesting. Zach says, some play for the name on the back of the jersey, some play for the name on the front. He is obviously subtweeting Kobe King when he does this. Tyler Hero responds with three thumbs down emoji, says making the best decision for himself. Zach replies, I'll admit I was 100% wrong about you. You a killer. You know, there could be some backstory in terms of Zach having an issue with Tyler uh, going to Kentucky instead of Wisconsin. Who knows? And then Zach also says, but I always knew you were a killer. I just really wanted you to come to Wisconsin, LOL. Tyler Hero says, appreciate you, but I'd still be at Wisconsin. Ouch, that's a major sting on Greg Gard. And he's probably not wrong, by the way. Tyler Hero is only balling out right now because he went to Kentucky. Um, and then Zach said, possibly, I don't know, but you're different. And then that weird, like, snorting emoji. I don't know why everyone uses that thing. I don't get it, but whatever. Um, and then uh, Hero's last tweet to him was, the state's top talent would love to play for Wisconsin, but not in that system. I think you can agree, question mark. Well, Showalter played for Wisconsin. Well, you're putting him in a tough spot there. But it does bring us into a window here where Wisconsin Wisconsin does have really good talent on an annual basis, and some of that talent does wind up going and playing for Bucky, uh, but some don't. Tyler Hero doesn't, and there could be something to uh, the kind of style that Bo ran, that now Greg runs there, and how you're going to be limited in the kind of players you get there, and whether it's valid or not, this is obviously playing a major factor in Kobe King's decision to do that, and Tyler Hero... Uh, while not explicitly trying to do that publicly, he really opened up a window as to uh, some of the factors that surround Wisconsin's program. And it's been a great program in spite of that. Um, so there's a lot involving all this, and that's why I wanted to talk about this on the podcast tonight, G, because Kobe King is not a household name, but he actually is important to Wisconsin's NCAA tournament chances. And without him, I think that they drop precipitously in getting there. And Hero just brought another element to uh, to what's become obviously the major sports line uh, from a college perspective in that state overnight. Um, that's the type of thing that Tyler Hero back and forth that can really affect Wisconsin recruiting because that will be passed along to yes. Wisconsin recruits by um, opposing staffs. When you've got a famous Wisconsin native saying, I, you know, hey, we'd love to go to Wisconsin, but you don't play in that system. If I went to Wisconsin and played in that system, I'd still be at Wisconsin as opposed to balling out in the NBA. Uh, like that, that'll, that, I don't know if it'll actually have a tangible impact, but it could. And I know that recruits will be made aware of that. And and to be clear, um, I understand if Kobe King doesn't want to play in that system. Uh, my only point is like that, that they didn't start playing that way this year. Like you, you enrolled to that system and you've been there for nearly three years. Like it really took you till January 29, 2020 to figure out, that offense isn't the offense for you. It's just weird. That's all. Yeah. It's just, it's an unusual thing. And again, it's not like a normal transfer. He quit a team in January that was on its way, uh, possibly to the NCAA tournament. And if they don't get there, um, his decision to do this the way he did this, um, you know, will, will be um, labeled as, as the most obvious reason why. Same way if Memphis doesn't achieve some of the things that, 
that coaching staff and that fan base wanted to achieve. Now, James Wiseman choosing to quit that team midseason will be labeled as the most obvious reason why. Before we move on, um, just one last thing on on Brad Davison. Yep. I it, it is funny because we talked about this earlier. I don't think he's the villain of college basketball because I don't think people know who he is um, outside of Big Ten fans. Like, I, I don't think Pac-12 fans know who he is. Uh, I don't think ACC fans could pick him out of a lineup. But I, it did occur to me as I watched this the other night. Imagine if he were a Duke Blue Devil. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It'd course. be over. It'd be over. Yes. <laughs> it would be over, over. Uh, he is uh, He is not yet even on an Aaron Kraft level. But if Wisconsin were to remain uh, good and relevant – uh, and this continued. Yes, it would. It would be yes. But you're right. And obviously, uh, if he was uh, a white guy playing for Duke, punching people in the crotch, then yes, obviously. <laughs> Unfortunately, we would be talking about him probably on 12 podcasts per season. Thankfully, that's not the case there. And if you've seen the replay, if you haven't, um, it's really not that hard to find. But uh, but yeah, he's coming. He's coming, trying to fight through a screen. And he just t- tosses his closed fist right into um, Connor McCaffrey's junk, and it's it's brutal. Uh, he deserves to get suspended for it. And now, because we've talked about it and let it on a national podcast, and it has been played over on national, uh, at least college basketball highlight shows and broadcasts, like, that if it, it, if, if it is to happen again and next time, uh, in any capacity, uh, that's when it will take a precipitous leap. Uh, this season in particular, because college basketball's prominence in the sports career discussion is only going to increase. So uh, he's out. Wisconsin now finds itself without two of its five best players for its next game at home against Michigan State on Saturday. That's obviously a major one. And then it's got to go on the road against Minnesota. Davison will be back on the, on the court for that. Kobe King will not. We'll see where he ends up. Um, and we'll you know talk about that whenever it does happen. Uh, Connor McCaffrey, by the way, for people who maybe aren't Iowa fans or Big Ten fans, that is Fran McCaffrey, the head coach's son. I don't know why you think you can get away with hitting the head coach's son in the balls. Like he's got a direct line to the conference <laughs> office. So that, that, like if you're going to if you just decided you're going to hit somebody in the sack, I'd pick somebody other than the coach's son. But, you know, I'm not Brad Davis. And the quote from McCaffrey was great. Connor McCaffrey, not for him. He said, quote, <laughs> yes. he grabbed me right in the where you don't want to be grabbed. He does that. He's marked for doing that. He's the type of player, unfortunately, who feels the need to do that stuff. Tonight, he cost them the game. Man. So I said earlier, I don't know if he actually cost them the game, but if I were Conor McCaffrey, I would want to put that on him as well. <laughs> so he said tonight he cost them the game. In other words, he said, uh, we'd have lost if not for that guy hit me in the nuts. So yeah. um, Davidson is more famous today than he was three days ago, uh, but for, for all the wrong reasons. Let's move on. Coach K told the Cameron Crazies to shut up during Duke's win over Pitt earlier this week. We're going to get into that next, but first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
So Mike Krzyzewski created headlines this week when he told the Cameron Crazies to shut up during Duke's win over over Pitt. And if you haven't seen it, I want to make sure I describe it as properly as I can. It wasn't like he glanced into the student section and said, hey, guys, shut up. He marched to the Cameron Crazies, got a few feet away from them, pointed at them like he was in a heated argument with all of them and was yelling, shut up, shut up. He's one of us. And so I'm in studio at CBS Sports Network, and we see the clip, and it's like, my God, because it's a weird scene. And it's like, my God, what what must they have said to make Mike Krzyzewski lose his mind? Like, you wonder, like, what could possibly make a coach flip out like that? And honestly, the only thing I could think of is, like, racial slur. If somebody said uh, a racial slur, then maybe a coach would be like, yo, that's way out of line. Shut up. Shut up. But instead, what we find out, is that they were chanting, Jeff Capel, sit with us. Which, let's stop here for a second. Do you yeah. even know what that means? Yes. People keep asking me, what did they mean? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't have no idea what they mean. Yeah, I know what it means. Um, Please, it's, enlighten me. Okay. Uh, okay. So, it, it basically, uh, where, do we, where do we begin on this? Um, there's a lot here, actually, to get to. Um, <laughs> there is a lot to get to. Uh I hope not. Back in, the I, it's late. I know it's late. We'll try and be uh, relatively streamlined discussion, but it's you and me. We know how this is going to go. Um, so way back in the day, like twenty, like twenty, twenty-five, thirty years ago in particular, like Duke became great, and you know for the players and all that stuff. But also uh, Cameron and the Crazies, like they used to be, you know out of their damn minds. Like, it used to be an extremely hostile environment. And then over the years, because of Krzyzewski's, um influence and if not demands, they have become still a major presence, but they are more um, of a constant annoyance than they are, uh, you know, downright mean or angry, if you get what I'm saying. So uh, in recent years, what uh, the student section has done when there have been five-star recruits that have come to watch Duke games or there have been famous uh, alumni that have come to the games, they will chant at those players to come join them, not behind the Duke bench, one, two, or three rows, but come to the other side and let's have a good time. Just sit with us in the stands. Like, just sit with us, be with be with one of the crazies, and let's go nuts. And occasionally you will get that. You will get uh, a recruit that's on an official visit, or you will get uh, someone that will do that. And so what – this was actually um, a, a brilliant uh, – it was like a half taunt. It was a brilliant thing by the student section in that – Jeff Capel, not just a former assistant, but literally a former Duke player, okay, so he applies to this, gets a technical, and it was wasn't egregious technical. I think he made contact with an official, so you actually have to give him that. Uh, so what they were saying was, "Hey, buddy, like we love you. You're one of us. Why don't you just come? Why don't you just you know get one more? Come over and chill with us here." That's what they were doing, uh, and so that's the the origin of of the taunt there. Um, now there's a there's a couple things that are going on with this, okay. First, and I actually, uh, here's what I thought it when I saw it, and I didn't know if anyone would bring it up, but I've actually heard a lot of commentators bring this up over the past 24 hours. So the game's going on. It's Krzyzewski. He's super obvious. He's, he's so close with all of his former players and assistants. He hates coaching against them, as most, as most guys do. I understand that. So in the middle of this game, and then all of a sudden, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're kicking Pitt's tail to a degree, and then just Krzyzewski just hears Capel's name. He's not hearing it within the context of what they're doing. He's not putting two and two together. And I'm not going to be, you know, total armchair psychologist here, but Gary, have you ever seen Mike Krzyzewski 
remotely that angry ever before in your life? Um, I mean, can, the answer is yes, probably, but this was still come on. unusual. This was unusual. This was – GP, he was half being restrained by one of the officials, yelling – Shut up! Like three times from the other side of the floor. The first half ends. He goes. He goes over, and in one of the all-time amazingly hilarious images, you have this like uh, boasting, joyful group of eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-olds, and they are all. <laughs> he shuts them up. Their faces are just dead cold, looking like they know Mike Shushevsky can make sure they're enrolled at North Carolina State tomorrow if he wants to. And it was, it's an amazing, amazing, amazingly hilarious image. But as he's doing this, he's furious. Now, in the moment, he doesn't understand what they're doing. But I wonder if on some level, um, whether he knew it or not, Mike was actually dealing with so much of the stuff with Kobe because he, you know, he didn't just coach Kobe in the Olympics. Okay. He's dealing with the death of someone he would consider a friend knows that family well. And when you combine that with his misinterpretation of what the student section was doing with Capel, that's when he loses his mind. I could not believe, um, just the antics from him. Like, uh, I, in a weird way, I was happy to see it because I know he's like that healthy. Like it was unbelievable, man. I don't even know if I have that much energy. Um, so then afterward, clearly at the break, someone tells him what happened. And he apologized in person there, and then the Duke Chronicle reported on Thursday that Mike Shashevsky held. Uh, give credit here to Derek Saul, who works for the student newspaper. There held quote a surprise private 30-minute meeting in Cameron with Tenters. Tenters being the undergrad sleeping out for the Carolina game this afternoon to apologize for last night's incident and give more insight to what he thought happened, end quote there. So good on Krzyzewski for that. Really one of the more bizarre moments. People, I saw people really criticizing Krzyzewski for this, which is understandable. But if you bring in the potential that he has had uh, some heavy grieving and still was processing the death of someone that he would consider uh, a fairly close friend in the basketball community, I think that also might help explain why he reacted the way he did when uh, this stuff was being directed toward Capel, someone who he's even closer with, and he misinterpreted you know, the spirit of what the students were saying there. I think that's right. Um, I, I, one of my favorite phrases is when I'm trying to discuss something and, and make sense of it, at some point I'll say, now that's not an excuse, but it's a possible explanation. And that's what I would say about this. There's no excuse for him running and yelling at eight. I mean, think about it that we're a professor in a classroom. Oh, I know. All right? I, know. Yeah. I know it's a different dynamic, but – um, you know, there's no excuse for a university employee to yell at 18, 19, 20-year-old students in that in that way so aggressively. All right, it was a weird scene and 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 an unnecessary scene. And Mike, to his credit, and I didn't know that he had met with um, the Tenters, as you put it, um, the day after the game. So that that's that's nice to hear because it it suggests that he knows um, that he he went too far and that he. Um, those, those, those kids that, you know, you've seen their faces in the images, oh they gosh. probably idolize my yes, yeah. right? And so then they have that moment where this man's yelling at you. <laughs> just, they're, they're <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! Oh it's my like, gosh, yeah. It's just a weird, it's just a weird deal, right? So he, it, it, it suggests that he understands how weird it was and awkward it was, and he's trying to make amends for it. And I will uh, give him credit, too, for after the game on Tuesday night, like saying, listen, I, I apologize. Yeah. You know, somebody of Mike's stature doesn't have to really 
ever apologize for anything to anybody. But for him to do that because he knew with the benefit of hindsight, I was out of line, I, I thought was not worth nothing. Um, he did say, all I heard was Jeff Capel, and I thought it was something personal, something derogatory, and then it just set me off. But I had somebody on Tuesday night make the same point you make, which is that sometimes when you are dealing with stress in one part of your life or grief in one part of your life, it, it sets you off in a different part of your life. Like people are having problems at home and then at work they pop off. Right. And, and it's the, the, what happened at work wasn't really that bad, but man, there's so much just pent up stuff that's that, the, dealing with stuff at home and then it gets, it gets let out over here or, or vice versa. You're having mm -hmm. so many problems at work that uh, your, your kids say something to you and you just pop right. because uh, you know, th this stuff is expressed in different ways and, and we, we will never, I don't guess, know for sure. And I'm not a psychologist, so keep that in mind, but I don't think it's irresponsible or, you know, obviously incorrect to connect those dots. And, you know, those of us who didn't even know Kobe Bryant have been impacted by this emotionally and, you know, Mike coached him on multiple teams and spent real time with him. And and I mean, I still, as we're sitting here right now, cannot right. believe that Kobe Bryant is dead. I, I agree. I mean, I'm still there. It is just, yes. It's still such a weird thing. And I can't. Well, I, you know, like I was in the studio the past two nights with Jameer Nelson. You know, Jameer um, played against him. Well, played against him in the finals. But Kobe was one of his mentors. You know, they've got the Philadelphia connection. Right. I mean, and so. You know, Jameer's just rocked by it. You know, we've been, we, you know, all of us have Kobe stories. He's got Kobe text and Kobe dinners yeah. and Kobe. I mean, that's his, that was his, I don't, I don't want to speak for Jameer, but like he looked up to Kobe and then to just hear Kobe Bryant's dead. And I thought about this and we talked about this on my podcast, but I've thought a lot about it and talked a lot about it over the past few days. It was such a weird story because usually we'll hear somebody's been involved in an accident. And then we wonder, oh, oh is like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, I wonder if he's going to be OK or she's going to be OK or somebody's sick. Oh, my God. I wonder how this is going to go. Literally, the first thing we heard on Sunday was Kobe Bryant is dead. Yeah, there was no like there and, was no and how it happened, by the way. Yeah. Like Kobe Bryant's dead in a helicopter crash is the first thing you hear. What? Like it just rocks you. Yeah. And I don't think to 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 loop it back in. I don't think it's a stretch to. Point to what happened in Cameron Indoor on Tuesday night with Mike losing his mind with students in a way that I can't imagine he's ever done before right. and tie it to the devastating news of Sunday that he's dealing with all of these un, un, unimaginable emotions um, you know, from a tragic event and the, 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 the hurt and the pain and everything else um, – expressed itself in a different way, in a different venue. And let me repeat what I've already said. That's not an excuse, but it is, as long as we're being honest with, with each other. It's a possible explanation. Yeah, and I will, uh, just a couple more things and we can move on here. Um, so Jeff Capel responded to this because you had someone um, tweet at Jeff Capel afterward uh, a piece of, like every, 
this isn't unique to Duke, but Duke certainly is the most, uh, the Cameron Crazies are most well known for this. And in, in doing their research on opposing coaches and players and using that information uh, throughout a game as a, as a way of head games. And, but the, the particular thing with Capel, it just says, you know, key dirt. Pitt is coached by former Duke associate head coach Jeff Capel. Nothing bad to say here. We love you, Capel. Okay, that was on the the, the dirt sheet, if you will. And Capel, um, he had no issue with it whatsoever. He he quote tweeted back when they said that. He said, "Love you guys back. No offense taken from me. Keep showing up and cheering for your team. They deserve it." And then later, he said he was grateful to have played for a coach like Kay and genuinely loves his guys. And I hope I'm able to live to 70 plus years old. And if I do, I have half the passion for uh, what my coach has. So that was that was cool uh, of Capel to. Uh, and he got it. Like I, th- Capel got it for for, for Kay. <laughs> and then afterward, I mean, did you hear the press conference? Yes. You, okay. So, but then, like, I, you know, I don't excuse what we did, but this is this is ridiculous here. For the, you know, but you know, w- let's think of a different cheer. Let's put it like defense. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Come on, Duke. You know, let's go, Duke. Come on. You know. Okay, I mean, it's maybe the greatest basketball coach of all time and the absolute worst when it comes to picking out cheers. What is that? What is that? What can I hold on? Can, let, can we can we get that one more time, please? Yeah, w- let's think of a different cheer. Let's put it like defense. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Come on, Duke. Yeah. Let's go, Duke. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to think of different cheers. Those are. The... <laughs> it's the. It's hitting the table. That... Do you think? Do you think he thought he invented "Let's go, Duke" in that <laughs> moment? He's like, Listen. "Come on, come on." <laughs> there was that. There was that. There's a skit somewhere in one of the shows. I don't know if it was SNL or somewhere else, but it was like this person. Might have been in a movie. I don't know. This person's got all these great ideas. And it's like, listen, I've got this great idea. And they, they explain their idea, and they're like, well, you know, that's already a thing. Like that, like that's a, and every great idea is, like, already a thing. <laughs> and I thought about that when everybody comments because it's like, like let's, let's come up with like, let's, some different stuff. Let's get like, creative. Let's, let's brainstorm. Let's get creative. Let's, let's bra- let's, everybody, everybody get in here. Bring it in. Let's, bring it in. Bring it in. Yeah. Let's brainstorm about, okay, like, I, I understand I was out of line Tuesday night, the whole Jeff Capel stuff, um, but – Still, like, let's not bring other coaches' names into this. Let's brainstorm, try to come up with, I don't know, some fresher stuff. How about defense? <laughs> oh, okay. Put that one down. Let's see if we can come up with some more unique ones. How about let's go yeah. do? Let's go do. Come on. Let's go do. Come on. Let's go do. Come on. I swear, if the Cameron Crazies are, have any kind of sense of humor – Next home game, they will actually start a "Let's go, Duke! Come on!" <laughs> like yeah. no, and and for like ten minutes. <laughs> Let's go, Duke! Come on! I want. I, go, I would Duke, hope. Come on! I would hope at least. Let's go, Duke! One come or two on. Cameron crazies. Listen, listen to this podcast. Do Let's it, man! Go, Duke! Come on! <laughs> yeah, you got the you got the cadence. You got the rhythm. You you're feeling go, it, Duke! Come on! Doing the pole dance, feeling the flow. So. Um, we got to hope this happens, but it's going to be a while here because Duke's next three games are all on the road at Syracuse, at BC, at UNC, and then they're back home Monday, February 10th. It's their best remaining home game uh, against Florida State. So we got to hope that this can last until then. We're, we're looking at, you know, uh, quite a ways here, you know, a week and a half or so. But, yeah, just uh, – 
bizarre scene there, and then just, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite. Just yeah, let's go. <laughs> Come on, Duke. Come you on. Know. Let's go, Duke. Come on. You know. <laughs> let's go, Duke. Come on. We should North Carolina students start the chant. Let's oh. go. Let's go, North Carolina. Come on. Oh man, that'd be so let's good. Let's go, North Carolina. Come on. <laughs> Defense. That's Defense. actually not a bad call either. Now, Carolina gets first hosting duties. Yeah, as I said, there Saturday, February. So yeah, that would. Uh, if UNC fans want to rally here, there might be something there as well. But uh, but Duke won, by the way. They did beat Pitt by by 12, and they are 17-3, 7-2 in the ACC and sit at number two in Ken Palm. Let's move on. Dayton improved to 19-2 and on Wednesday night with a 73-69 victory at Duquesne. And I bring this up only because you led your court report column on the Flyers Wednesday morning. You made the case that Dayton can win the national title largely because of the offense. Please uh, tell listeners the most interesting things you discovered while researching this Dayton team. I will, but let me just fire this back at you real quick. Would you agree with me um, that Dayton, uh, like, for real, like can win six games and win the NCAA tournament? Do you agree with me that they, not just that they can do it, but would you put them on the short list, five or six teams most likely to do it right now? Are you confident in saying that? Yes, 100%, uh, because they're awesome offensively, historically awesome offensively in certain ways. They've got a real star in Obi Toppin. And Jalen Crutcher, you know, it, he gets completely overshadowed by Obi. Jalen Crutcher's awesome, too. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'll take it a step further. If you told me I could have, at this point, mm-hmm. and I don't think you would ever say this in any other season in the history of college basketball. If you said, GP, you only get six teams to win the national title, pick them. I might have a WCC team, Gonzaga, yeah. a A-10 team, Dayton, and a Mountain West team in San Diego State. I'm right there with you. And I'll even say, I'd say this. If you told me right now, right now and for the till the end of the season, I can get, you give me Gonzaga, San Diego State, Dayton, Kansas, and I won't pick Duke because it's too easy. Those four, and then let's throw in, let's throw in Michigan State. Those five or the field, I think I would take those five. Those three, Kansas, Michigan State, or the field to you, to win it. What would you take? I'd probably take the field just because this so season's many. been all over the place. Yeah, and I would in the field. I would have Duke. I would have Kentucky. I would have Seton Hall. Um, I'd have some really good teams in the field, so I'd probably take the field, but it doesn't lessen your point. Yeah. Um, we've got some very unusual, legitimate national championship contenders. We do. Now, with Dayton, they're fascinating on a number of fronts. I won't get into everything. Uh, you know, Please read the court report. Uh, I spend a lot of time on it. It's a joy to do, but uh, you guys actually have been reading it at a very high rate, and I do appreciate that. Um, but I talked with Anthony Grant uh, on Tuesday because what's been interesting about this is that Anthony Grant, since he got to Dayton, uh, completely, it, it seems like he has changed his uh, style to coaching. Now, he did not outright tell me that that is what happened. But uh, in particular, he Dayton this year is 62.9% now after playing uh, at Duquesne. They were 62.7 from two-point range going in. They're now 62.9, and they're 37.6 from three-point range. First of all, Dayton has been 
the second best two-point shooting team the past two seasons. Now they're number one. He never had a team prior to this better than 33rd. And even before that, he never, all except one team was not better than the top 75. So part of his personnel, but clearly he's putting a high emphasis on baskets near the rim. Dayton is tracking to be right now. If it if the season ended today, which it hasn't, they got to still got to get this done. They would be the second best two point shooting percentage team in the history of college basketball. The only one that's better is that Princeton offense from uh, the mid nineteen nineties. They were at sixty three point three percent. So Dayton, if it's able to maintain this and really beat up on the bottom half of the A ten, it's still got a shot to set the record. And that's not nothing because, as Jordan Sperber, who does the hoop uh, hoop vision uh, newsletter and is a former D one. Uh, video analyst and coordinator and listener of the pod. Shouts to you, Jordan. I told you to give you a shout on this podcast. Um, he uh, did a good video deep dive. You can read that in the post. But only like 4 or 5% of Dayton's shots, period, come from the mid-range. Everything else is threes or really down low dunks. Obi, Obi Toppins had almost 70 dunks this season, including an absurdly incredible one, an awesome one that he pulled off against Duquesne on Wednesday night. Please go search for it. I retweeted it in my feed. It's just, it's really one of the five best dunks of the season. Um, so Topping, Topping gets a lot inside. They all get a lot inside. But this team is so uh, fascinating to me because its statistical makeup looks nothing like the teams that Grant had at VCU or Alabama. He went and spent two years with his former boss, Billy Donovan, at Florida, now Donovan at OKC. He spent some time there. He said, yeah, listen, I took some stuff from that, but really I think what I do is a, um, you know, it's a blend of all the coaches that I've worked with, and the personnel has been so good, and Dayton's just, uh, it's awesome, man. It's not just because they're so good at getting the ball inside and getting uh, so many shots within five feet. They're reliable from three, but also... Jalen Crutcher, stud. You talked about him on Inside College Basketball. Uh, he's been awesome. Rodney Chapman is also good. They actually have a dual lead guard attack there. So between those two, Toppin, everyone's old on the team. Even Toppin, who's only a sophomore, he's a redshirt sophomore. So he's got three years' experience. That's the case with all of their seven, eight-man rotation. Dayton's fascinating as hell, man. They're fun to watch play. Um, and one other thing that Jordan told me was what they do isn't necessarily unique or that different uh, in terms of like, you know, Dayton's only one of four or five teams in D1 that really runs this kind of style. They're different from a lot of the other teams in Ken Palm's top 10 and what they do. But he said, even if Dayton kind of laxed it a little bit and they still ran a lot of their stuff that was vanilla, they'd still easily be a top 20 offense in college basketball and be a viable team going forward. So Toppin's the star, going to probably be a first team All-American. He's been outstanding. They're incredible from two, but... Um, if you have no reason, if you listen to this podcast, not to be invested or at least know about Dayton at this point, they were great in the start of the season. They've only lost twice, um, and they're running through a decent A10 here. Got another win, and uh, yeah, there's a deeper piece on it on CBSSports.com that I led the court report with. But I, I remain fascinated and invested in this team, man. If we fielded the tournament tomorrow, GP, I swear to you, it would not matter to me who else was in their quadrant of the bracket. I would write Dayton into the Final Four. I am that in on them in terms of how good their offense is and their defense. Oh, by the way, isn't so shabby either. And the thing is, like, it was obvious very early in the season. If you go back to when we watched them in Maui, three straight days, November 25th, 26th, 27th, um, they still were not in the top 20 in the computers, but I had moved them into the top 10 of the top 25 and one because obviously I rely on numbers a lot. I look at them every day, all day, but I have eyeballs as well. And when you watch them play, they look the part. When you watched Obi play, he looked the part. And you fast forward. Now, here we are approaching February, and they have lived up to exactly what we thought they would be after watching them in, in Maui. And by the way, it's a team, they're 19-2. and two. That's awesome without context. 
They haven't lost in regulation. Yes. They they the the two losses are overtime losses. Kansas 90-84 that was in Maui and then Colorado on a neutral 78-76. Nobody in the entire country that they played has beaten them in a 40-minute game. Yep, and those two teams are combined 33 and 7. Kansas is number 1 in Ken Palm and would have a solid case for a one seed if we if we seeded the tournament today. If not, they'd be the strongest two. And then Colorado uh, is is quality team, top three in the Pac-12, top four at worst. It's going to make the tournament there. Yeah, so they are undefeated in the A-10. They are undefeated in regulation um, and even have a win in OT because they got that uh, three at the buzzer courtesy of Jalen Crutcher on a Friday uh, almost two weeks back. So And now they're going to keep rolling, by the way. They're home against Fordham. Bad team going to win. Should be able to win against St. Louis. Maybe they get a good push there. That's on Saturday, February 8th. So they actually have some time coming, and they have another home game against URI. So they are certainly pacing to be at least 22-2 and two, and um, and we'll see. I mean, they have a sh- they have a shot at a one seed now. They're probably we gotta see what else everyone ha- what else other teams do around them here. Um, if they only lose one more time, I'm almost certain of it. They'll be a one seed. Two losses, and then we gotta see if San Diego State loses. We gotta see if Gonzaga loses. We gotta see what Kansas and Baylor wind up doing. Uh, but because the ACC um, isn't super super strong, and because the Big Ten, you know, you got Illinois, Michigan State, Maryland, like they're all getting there, but they're not really in the discussion for a one seed. Uh, you could have Dayton have the, enough, enough slack to drop two A ten games the rest of the season. I think that's probably the most they'll lose, and still get a one seed, which would of course be a program record. The toughest test left is at VCU. That's going to be on February eighteenth, and and that'll obviously be a challenge. VCU, the preseason A ten favorite. I would assume this: they lose one more time. And they are a two seed in the NCAA tournament. If they lose one more time, they're going to be a one seed. I, I'm pretty well. Uh, well, listen, I don't think Gonzaga's losing again, and I don't think San Diego State's losing at all. So there's two of them. <laughs> I think San Diego State will lose. And uh, did you see what they did in New Mexico? I, they did. I know. Well, New Mexico, first of all, they got they got all sorts of problems. They, they listen. They they dominated. They started 17-0. They killed them against San Diego State. We love you. In fact, you know what? We we might even need to talk some more Aztecs on a, another podcast soon. I, I'm hearing from the Aztecs fans. I'm hearing from the Iowa fans. <laughs> Iowa wants some Luca Garza love soon. I don't know if he's coming up in the mailbag or not, but uh, but I hear you there as well. I, I hear you. I think SDSU is go. I think they're going to lose one before they get to Selection Sunday. Uh, even a one-loss SDSU team, I think, would be a one seed. Gonzaga, if it doesn't lose again, is going to obviously be a one seed. Even if it does lose again, it might. And don't worry, Seton Hall, Villanova fans. I hear you. Like if you're able to, like Seton Hall hasn't lost in the Big East yet. That's what I. It's why I tweeted on Wednesday night. Um, listen. You look around and you see how awesome Gonzaga is on offense. Dayton as well. Kansas is one in the metrics. Duke is two in the metrics. Baylor has won 17 in a row, won five of his past seven on the road, and is just destroying teams. Uh, the further we get deeper into the season, uh, the less I believe the people that want to tell me there are no great teams in college basketball because right now you've got, you got five or six that have a pretty good case for it, and that includes Seton Hall, which is, has its best win streak in almost 30 years, hasn't lost in the Big East, and now is finally, oh, by the way, back at full strength now that the big boy is uh, is back, you know, getting minutes, not starting yet. But um, it's looking like, hey, wouldn't you know it, maybe we will have some truly great teams. We'll see what February brings. Here's your one seeds on Selection Sunday. Oh. One loss, Gonzaga. Okay. Zero loss, San Diego State. Either Kansas or Baylor. And either Seton Hall or Villanova. Okay, I'm marking this. Hold on. I'm going to actually save this, and I'm going to use it on the Selection Sunday show. So that's at about the 50-ish minute mark. I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this later. All right, say it one more time because I'm going to give you mine. So these are your predictions on what the one seeds and their situations will be on Selection Sunday. Say it one more time. One loss Gonzaga. Zero loss San Diego State. 
either Kansas or Baylor, and either Villanova or Seton Hall. Can you have the guts to at least say one or the other? Just say, which one is it going to be? Is it going to be Kansas or Baylor? It's going to be Villanova or Seton Hall. Who's it going to be? Okay. It'll be zero loss San Diego State, one loss Gonzaga, Kansas, and Villanova. Okay. I will say, oh, this is fun. Um, it's going to be Baylor. Baylor's going to be a one seed. Their numbers are absurd right now. Um, Baylor on Selection Sunday 2020, Baylor will be a one seed. Two loss Gonzaga will be a one seed. One loss San Diego State will be a one seed. <laughs> and, oh, my buddy. Um, and three loss Dayton will be a one seed. Okay. That's my that's my prediction. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Wow. I'd be fine with that. I'm I'd love that. Yeah. I'm the master of ceremonies of the A ten Media Day. Okay. So I there's nothing I would love more than for three loss Dayton to be a one seed. And 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 by the way, I'm all, I think I'm with you with Dayton. I don't know whether there'll be a one seed or a two seed, but I I'm ready to pencil them into the final four no matter what. Yeah. I'm I'm there, man. And I don't wanna I don't wanna jump off that train. Um all right, we'll save that because we're going to have forgotten we made these predictions within two days of each other, but whatever. Uh, we'll bring it back, though. Um, all right, you want to do some mailbag? I, I have a pattern. I, d- I don't remember anything I say at 1.40 in the morning, like in the history of my life. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so you want to get you want to get this mailbag so we can get to bed? Midweek mailbag time. We it. pull the questions from Apple Podcast Reviews. So you go over there, you leave a five-star review. You can write whatever you want. Something nice is preferred and then if you want to ask a question i'll go through them and i'll pull three questions and we're going to start with the first question it comes from jay Knowles 23 and you hinted at it a minute ago he's an iowa fan he said listen i love you guys you're great you but you talk all the time about vernon carey and cassius winston and caleb wesson where's the love for luca garza Norlander, give some love to Luca Garza. The love for Luca Garza has arrived here, okay? Because first of all, uh, power rankings will refresh on Thursday. Some of you may have read them before you listen to this podcast. Uh, this, it was, it's been a relatively chalky past five days in college basketball. There have been a couple teams that have been in that 15 to 20 range that have taken losses, but uh, they were either highly ranked, and I'm not going to kill West Virginia for losing at Texas Tech. So anyway, I have Iowa still as my I, – I rank 19 teams – Shout out to Steely Dan, Hey 19 And Iowa, for the second straight week, is the 20th team because I can't drop Illinois. Um, so, Iowa, I hear you. You were the one team on CBS Sports HQ when I was asked uh, this past week, what's the one team not in your power rankings you think is capable of winning the national championship? My pick is the Iowa Hawkeyes there, the third-ranked offense in America. Luca Garza is something else. He's the, he's number two in Ken Palm's Player of the Year algorithm at this point, uh, and he's earned it. He's only behind Devon Dotson at Kansas, which is something of a surprise. Carries three, Marcus Howard, who went out with uh, what I believe is a concussion on Wednesday night. The, uh, it was not a concussion, what was according it? to Steve Wojciechowski, okay. just a face face injury. A face injury? You've had well, a few, you got hit in the face. You've had a few of those. Um, yeah, I no doubt. I live with one. Yeah. Um, Howard's four. Obi Toppin's five. Miles Powell's six. Malachi Flynn shouts to you, Malachi. Seven. Jordan Noir had an awesome night on Wednesday. He's eight. Jalen Smith, who is coming on crazy as of late as nine, and then Peyton Pritchard, ten. But Luca Garza has been outstanding. Um, he's got uh, just an intriguing game. He's intriguing as hell because he's 6'11". 
I, I'm not sure if he's capable of jumping over a box of cereal, uh, laying flat, not even standing up here, but he is dominant, man. Um, he ranks first in the Big Ten in fouls drawn per 40 minutes. He's second in offensive rebounding percentage, fourth in defensive rebounding percentage. He takes more of his team shots than any other player in the Big Ten, um, and he's He's terrific. Uh, he would be a first-team All-American if the season ended today. He's clearly tracking toward that. It is because of him more than any other player that Iowa has gotten to 15-5, and five, that it is easily cruising to an NCAA tournament. I did not think Iowa was going to the tournament this season. I thought it was going to be one of the first four that were going to just miss the cut and be like a one seed, maybe a two in the NIT, but I was wrong. Garza's been great. Uh, Wieskamp has, again, been a reliable three-point shooter. We talked about Connor McCaffrey. He of the uh, the wrong end of the nut shot. Um, he's been a... a a good factor, and they haven't even had Jordan Bohannon uh, for half the games this season, and that still hasn't stopped them there. Iowa's a fun team to watch, really good offensively. Um, only really two bad losses, if you want to call it that. DePaul, we thought it was bad, then it wasn't. Now it kind of is again. DePaul, you're breaking my heart here. But Iowa lost early in the season to Paul, and then they lost at Nebraska. But otherwise, San Diego State at Michigan, you know, against Penn State back in the Palestra and one of the five best games of the season so far. So credit to you, Hawkeyes. Uh, we have not been ignoring you. Um, you're certainly, you know, getting more relevant by the week here. And now on Thursday night, you know, their game is in advance of us uh, podcasting this. We'll have a Friday podcast, so we'll maybe we'll get more Hawkeyes on the Friday one. But they play at Maryland here, and that will be interesting um, for the Big Ten race. And just overall, being those two teams are playing so well, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to that probably that game more than any other on Thursday night. Gars is awesome. Um, like you said, 23.1 points, 10.7 rebounds, 55% from the field, 37% from three. I had to turn in a Woodward ballot on Wednesday afternoon. It had Luca Garza on it. And if I had to turn in a first-team All-America team right now, it would have Luca Garza on it. Um, question number two. I love this one. Okay. I believe that this is our first mailbag trivia time. Oh, okay. Fire away. This is good. Really good. Okay. Is it gettable? I, I well, we'll see. Okay. Well, I want to know if you knew it. Like, did you know it when you read it? No, no, I did okay. not know. All it. right, go ahead. I didn't even know that this was a thing. Okay. All right. Okay. Question comes from Kyle. He leaves a nice review. He's very sweet, five stars, all that stuff. And then he says, "I got a, I got a mailbag trivia time." I said, "Okay, Kyle. Okay." He said, "Name the team." Yeah. That's undefeated at home this season, and winless on the road this season. That's a great question. They have won every home game and lost every road game. Okay, I know it's not Maryland, uh, but Maryland was at that one. It was at one point them because until they won at Northwestern, I remember that being the first. I know it's not Maryland. Um, that is a fantastic trivia time. Uh, and you think it's gettable? I I, I I had to rely on the CBS Sports Network research team. Wow. And I will give them credit. They're great. They got it within three minutes. They didn't research it? They knew it? No, no, no. Well, they they did, They did. threw out some answers, and I said, no. Like, one of them was uh, Michigan. Like, is it Michigan? And I was like, no, because uh, Oregon yeah, no, won no, at no. Michigan. They're yeah. like, okay. And then um, they were like, Man. I think it's this team. And I was like, okay. This, this team did great. never even – I even thought about this team, like, at all. For one second this season. This team has never been mentioned on the Island College Basketball Podcast this season. The answer is the, is a team we haven't mentioned? Yeah, we would – Oh, we, gosh. Then that's not gettable. This is an amazing question. Um, all right. I'm just I'm, 
I'm not going to. All right, let me. I'm just going to scroll here real quick at Ken Palm. I'm going to half cheat and just see what what. My, give me three guesses. Let me see. Well, let me just tell you, it's not a power conference team. Okay, that's fine. Um, undefeated at home and winless on the road. Um, they've played nine home games. They've won every one of them. They've it. played nine road games. They've lost. Okay. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're giving me more of a cheat than I wanted. Um, okay. Then I would say first guess. I can't give enough. Let me just let me let me just guess. I can't give enough props for how good this question is, man. This is not a good sign when the, when the listeners coming in with a better trivia time than either <laughs> of us have done. Um, all right, my first guess is Temple. All you said is not power. Uh, Temple. Yeah, it's, temple. it's not Temple. It's not Temple. Okay, my second guess is Ball State. Not Ball State. Okay, third guess is. Uh, Third guess. I can't get over how good this question is. My third guess. I don't know what I'm doing. My third guess is Georgia Southern. I don't know. It's not Georgia Southern. All right, who is it? Sienna. Sienna, the Saints. Car Massiarello, year one. Go go look at their profile. It's amazing. The Saints. They're, Jalen they're, Pickett. They're nine at nine with nine home wins and nine road losses. Carmen, his first year. How about that? This is, look at this. And one of the losses, three OT at Yale. Wow. How about that? Jalen Pickett, under the radar, good sophomore player, by the way. Um, so there you go. All right. Great, great trivia time. Love it. What's next? Isn't that a great question? Shouts to Kyle for getting that. that yeah, that's really that's good. really good. If you if you guys can get those kind of, I, I encourage that. Tri- trivia time, the hell out of us. I will take that every time. Uh, final mailbag question with the combination of the FBI scandal. This comes from Max with the combination of the FBI scandal and the Kansas, Kansas state fight. Will Silvio D'Souza forever live in college basketball infamy? Well, how are we going to define college basketball? And like, I don't think 15 years from now, many people are going to remember Silvio de Sosa's name. I think they'll remember the fight to a degree. But how about just for context here? Now, Kansas is a much bigger program than Xavier Cincinnati. I get all that. But um, the Xavier Cincinnati fight was. Two Holloway, Mark Lyons, zip them up. You we know it. Zip them up. That's correct. That's correct. I'll never yeah. forget zip them up. I, zip them up is my favorite post game press conference ever. It's terrific. It's terrific. Um, but if you ask most people who said zip them up, I don't think that they would necessarily remember that. So I'll never forget two Holloway because of zip them up. I don't know where two Holloway is today. He do, could be my neighbor. I can, have no idea. Okay. Can you tell me who the most high profile Cincinnati player was in the fight? Well, the one that was in the middle of it, I think was Yancey Gates. That's correct. That's correct. You are absolutely. Can you, can you tell me there's a, the, the lasting image for me of that fight was a Xavier player walking off after he got dotted. Do you remember who that was? The big white boy? I I, I, oh, you, God. I, can you can you I, picture it? I can picture it, but I can't remember his name. One Kenny Freeze. Kenny Freeze, Kenny Freeze, yeah. So uh, between the FBI stuff and this, uh, certainly in Kansas, DeSosa won't be forgotten. There's no doubt about it. I, I'd, I'd be interested to see 15 years from now. Because also, you know, the chances of this go up if we, for whatever reason, a year from now, two years from now, we look up and Bill Self just isn't at Kansas anymore for whatever reason. Then it becomes like, oh, you know, those are the, the final years of Self. But if that's not the case and they keep someone along and he's there for another decade and he wins a national title or two, then it'll be something. But infamy, 
uh, might be uh, a little much. I still think 20 years from now, Christian Leitner will be more remembered for uh, stepping on the chest uh, of a Kentucky player who I'm blanking on because it's like 1.50 in the morning and I hate myself that I can't remember the dude's name um, than DeSoso with the stool in the fight. I, I like I don't know how to define infamy, but I will say this: I don't I don't think I'll ever forget Silvio De Sosa. Like th- th- those are the types of things I remember. Like I I, I won't remember, um, uh, you know, I I, I won't remember Yadoka Azabuki fifteen years from now probably. But I'll remember Silvio De Sosa. I remember the things like Two Holloway. Aminu Timberlake. Aminu Timberlake. That's who it is. How am I going to remember Larnell for the rest of my life and not remember Silvio De Sosa? (laughs) I know we will, but not everyone's us. So thank God. Congratulations to them, by the way. Congratulations to everyone for not being us. (laughs) We're the ones doing a podcast at 150, which we had to do. Dude, I have been working since 8 a.m. nonstop. It's 2 in the morning, and you, like, were sedated half the day. I was. I had. Listen, this can be the Eye on Anatomy podcast for a quick second here because I got that old diverticulitis thing back on Christmas. They had to do a colonoscopy. So I'm 38. Dude, the stuff that you got to drink to prepare for this, by the way. Oh, Oh, my God. You've not had a colonoscopy, have you? No. I have never had one, but I'm getting to the age where it's time to start. Yeah. I'll just mix it with vodka. I don't care. Uh, you can't do it, actually. They explicitly no, say I, you can't. I, 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 well, I got news for you. I don't drink anything that I can't mix <laughs> okay. with vodka. Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure doctors love any more one phrase from a patient than I've got news for you, okay? <laughs> I'm sure that's going to go over so swimmingly. Um, but, yeah, you got to drink this stuff. That, you know, I'm not going to get to it. Just, it clears you out and you can't eat, and then I'm up at 4 a.m. I was actually, I f- I've forgotten what it is, but like at 4.30, uh, literally this morning, uh, earlier, you know, I was thinking about trivia times, and they just went and passed through my head. So anyway, I had a uh, had the colonoscopy, and I told my uh, I told my doctor about the Ion College Basketball Podcast, because I said I had, because I had it in the morning, and we wanted a podcast during the day, so this is a delayed podcast, and uh, we appreciate everyone that reached out and asked uh, where it was. Well, here it is. You finally gotten it, but it, we couldn't do it uh, right, a- right after because the doctor said, "So you do a you do a podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "What kind of podcast?" I was like, "What do you shouts to Devin Downey? It's the Ion College Basketball Podcast." Come on, come on, then he then he rolled his eyes and almost tried to leave the room, and I said, "Wait, wait, no, I have to tell you more." And um, and so then he said, "No, listen, if you uh, if you're going to be doing a podcast, and this is listened." to by lots and lots of people um you know we're going to sedate you for this and then you're going to go home you're not allowed to drive because you would be technically driving under the influence and uh you have to have someone li- like legally come and pick you up and bring you home and that didn't happen i walked home but anyway um Did so you really walk home no no um okay. no <laughs> i'm just rolling here go with me but he said you're gonna be you're gonna think you're lucid but you really might not be and i thought well then we definitely should do a podcast to see where that goes and i d- i was like it was a little uh, little loopy there, but because we were in a tight window, uh, we couldn't do it during the day. I, I mixed in a power nap, and we're good to go. By the way, clean uh, clean as a whistle down there, so that's good. To, that's that's good to hear. And definitely, he said I don't need another one till you know I'm 50. So I'm I'm good with that because the process for it is is something else. But it was weird, by the way. One more quick thing on this. And listen, I'm, I know that our listeners are absolutely loving, loving hearing about a colonoscopy, but they put you half under. So uh, I remember them talking to me like once or twice during the procedure because they have to like make sure they, they said like, are you uncomfortable? And I remember responding maybe just a little bit, but I don't remember 
when the docs came in. I don't remember them preparing. They take you from one room to another. I don't remember that. It's weird how that works. You have like you have amnesia for some of it, and you're never fully under. And then you just kind of wake up. There you go, and you're on your merry way, and you can finally eat again for the first time in like 40 hours. So that's why I'm still good at 1:55 in the morning because um, I just have eaten so. Much. I was so hungry. I've eaten so much today. So I was good. To, I was good to go. But I know you've been working since eight o'clock. So we should probably wrap up this podcast because you got to. What time's your flight back? What time you got to get up? Oh God! I think my wake up call is six forty five. I don't even right think, I don't even think you should go to bed. I, I you know what I used to not go to bed after the Wednesday night studio stuff because I would fly home first thing in the morning, and I would not go to bed. I would I would I would get out of studio and I would get some work done, take a shower, go straight to the airport. That was a miserable way to live. Um, but Delta Airlines, I love them so much, but for whatever reason. They used to have like an 11 a.m. flight direct back to Memphis from LaGuardia, like as recently as last season. And so then I could I could like sleep till 845 and be fine. Um, but now that the the early the only direct flight from LaGuardia to Memphis on Thursdays that gets me home in time for radio leaves at uh, 920 or 930, something like that. So I got it. It. it, it it's messed up my life a little bit. I got to get up about an hour and a half, two hours earlier than I used to. And it's not like I can just go home and go to sleep. I have to go home and then I have to do a radio show. Um, So I'm miserable right now is what I'm trying to say. And guess what? Hmm. Technically we're going to be podcasting again tomorrow. I can't wait for that. Hey, and before you do the raps, I was going to do this earlier, but then you got back onto Kobe King. You only get (laughs) one birthday a year. I think that's how it works. So if I had known this Friday, I would have incorporated this. Listeners, I was told last week that last week was our most downloaded week in the podcast's history, okay? Not some big preseason episode, not the midst of the selection show a year ago or whatever, just the middle of January. You guys are awesome. We keep seeing the reviews come in. Please continue to do them and give Mr. Parrish the best 49th birthday present he could ever ask for. Please give a five-star review. Give us nice comments. Give us a trivia time. Give us some sort of a review or question. We'll keep getting to them. You guys have been terrific. And, uh, yeah, show GP you love him. Say happy birthday in the comments. Do whatever you got to do because we missed it last week. Wanted to get into it before we get to the Friday app. All right, That's bud. very sweet. It, for the record, it's 43. I know I don't look it, but I am 43 years old. Do you have any understanding of why last week was was um, the most listened to? Because I don't even remember what we talked about last week. The only thing that would have added to it was we had a fourth episode that was the emergency podcast on Silvio DeSosa. Oh, you're trying to give yourself credit for that. I'm not, actually. I'm not, <laughs> not even remotely. Uh, but I think a fourth episode combined with a major sp- hoops event plus just – the podcast continues to grow, so I think that also is a, is a big reason. For all I know, this week will top last week's. We'll wait. We'll have to wait and see. Hey, we'll, we'll, hey, we'll see. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. If you haven't already done it, you can do it at Apple Podcasts. It really does help us. But it also, I think, if I'm being honest, it helps you because you don't have to wait for a tweet from me to know that there's a new episode. It'll just shoot right into your phone. It's amazing how that works. So please go subscribe. Rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments. And I guess it's middle of the night Thursday. I guess we're going to talk to you again on Friday. Until then, take care.
Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.